This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Intimacy with God is so precious and so good. The deeper you know Him, man, you'll just sense it. You'll just sense it in your life. Your life is going to be so, it's just going to be great. The deeper you go with God. Here's another way. The second way we go deeper with God, and that's our prayer life. And folks, i got to tell you, I react against this palsy wellsy prayer life with God. You say, hi, God, it's me, Benny. Okay, just Benny here. Got my little mutt going around the neighborhood, cleaning up his messes, but we're having a good day. How's your day, God? You having a good day? Some people promote prayers like that. Folks, I got to tell you, it may be okay for a time, that palsy-walsy thing, like maybe the first day after you're saved, and that's about it. But your prayers need to go deeper. This palsy-walsy thing works for a couple hours, and that's it. Then get off that, okay? We need to learn to praise God, to thank Him, to confess our sins, to pray for others. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. And this is in verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, being seen by men, because that doesn't honor God. And he says in verse 6, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen then your Father, who sees what is done privately or in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. They think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father in heaven knows what you need, even before you ask Him. And so Jesus says, man, you go be alone with God. There's something deeply personal about this being alone with God. Because that builds a relationship, and pretty soon you're going to understand that prayer is not about getting. It's all about building a relationship with God. Listen, in my personal prayer life, I want to commit from the biggest to the smallest things. I want to commit it all to God. But then I want to know I've committed it to God. See, and when I know I've committed this to to God, I know God's working in me, and he's working through me, and he's got a hold of this thing, and he's taking it where he will, even though I may not like where he's taking it. But you know, the wonderful thing is, I know he's got it. And that brings peace, 
it develops that relationship. And I think about all the stuff that got messed up in my life. And I'll go back and I'll think, how strongly did I pray about that? Did I really take that before the Lord? And I'll discover, no, I didn't. It's obvious why it got messed up. See, no wonder. I want to get to a point in my own life, and I pray this for you guys too, that um, you depend on God totally for everything. And again, that flies against the face of our culture. That just flies against the face of this culture. I want to be a 1 Thessalonians 5.18 believer. The NIV says pray continually. The King James says pray without ceasing. Here's another way we build intimacy with God. We see him in our experiences. See, we say, that was God. And when you see that, man, you're developing intimacy with God. This happens to, to me so often. Someone will, um, someone will call and cancel something that you were looking forward to and you're disappointed. But then someone needs you at the time you were supposed to be with that other person. And if that other person didn't cancel, you wouldn't be able to be in this other person's life that God sent into your life. And that whole canceling and open the door for another opportunity is God working in your life, taking you where he wants to take you. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my personal life. But you look at little things like that and you say, that's God. This last bout with cancer has changed my life immensely with all the treatments and their effects and their side effects. It's changed my life on a day-by-day-by-day basis more than any single thing in my life, and I'm not sure I like all the changes. In fact, I don't. But you know, as I look back, I just see, I can trace the hand of God doing what was good, right, and necessary. And you look at your life changes and see if he hasn't wrapped his arms of love around you and just drawn you into himself and become so personal with you. That's one of the dictionary definitions of intimate, private, and personal. The names of God. And I take one, I mean, the names by which you revealed himself. And I take one of those names every day, seven days a week, and I dwell on it. And I love the name God gives to himself called Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Shema means, and God, this is how God revealed himself. This is how he wants you to know him. Jehovah Shema means God is there. God is there. The ever-present there. And as you as a believer, the Spirit in in you will let you know that God is there. Jehovah Shema, I like to think of it like this. Just you and me, God. This you and me thing. And the amazing thing is, this is our God. And he's Jehovah Shema to every one of you guys. Just dwell on that. God is there. He is right there. And not just for me, but for every one of you folks. Psalm 139, oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. I mean, this is God's word. I didn't write this. I mean, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before words ever on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You hem me in, front and back, left and right. You hem me in. And David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, man. That's Jehovah Shema. And as you grow to um, understand his personal presence more and more, that is the dictionary definition of intimate, personal and private. You have something as you understand that. 
that's worth everything. And so you see God in your experiences. Now the number one way, number one beyond all others, to build an intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's John 14, 21. If you're not doing this, you're not personal with God. You can think you are, but you're not. Whoever has my commands, verse 21 of John 14, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. How is your love for Jesus Christ demonstrated? By obedience. You can say over and over and over again, I love you, Lord. But if you are not abiding by his will, it's all words and no action. And you know you have people in your life who may say, I love you, but their actions don't stand behind it. And you doubt their love, see? And then I look at John 14.23, and I have to say that John 14.23 is the passage in God's word that speaks toward intimacy with God more than any other passage. Jesus replied, John 14.23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him. Now get this, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You go home to what? Your family. You have no closer ties in life than your family. And Jesus just said, if you obey me, guess what? Me and my Father will come to you, and let me just read it as it is here, and make our home with him and be like family to you. Now you have just reached intimacy with God when you make the choices to obey him. Just an example. Let's say you want to tell somebody just how you feel but you know it could hurt that person. And they treat you pretty good. To stuff that and not say that and deny yourself that because you are so conscious of being obedient to your Lord, when you do that, a oneness, when you stuff what you want to do because you know it's wrong, you know it's of the flesh, it's not of the spirit, and you just stuff it, man. You're being obedient to your Lord in an intimacy, in a oneness, is developing with him. That's primarily how you build intimacy with God, because that's the nature of what Jesus did. The nature of Jesus Christ is self-denial and self-sacrifice. That, above all other ways, brings you to know God so well Denial of self. When you deny self, when you say, God, I can't do this or I have to do this, and you go the way God wants you to, even though your flesh is tugging the other way, and you do that, I want to tell you, at that point in time, your relationship with God has taken off. May seem tough to you, but man, it's taken off. I mean, that's the nature of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. And most of you folks know this, your attitude should be the same as Jesus, who being in very nature God, what didn't he do? Did not consider his equality with God something to be held on to, but he gave up all his rights as God. You know, he could have held on to his divine power and blew away all those guys who tormented him and beat him up and put him on a cross and wouldn't have to go through that agony. He could have, you know, see, he denied himself that. He denied himself that. And that's the nature of Jesus Christ. Self-sacrifice and self-denial. And when you sacrifice and when you deny yourself, you're saying to the Lord, it's your way of saying, I really, really love you. So look at the ways to know God, to, um, to study him, 
to get to know him so deeply by the word of God so you see how God works. So listen, it's not just getting to read the Bible, it's getting to know God's heart. Man, the more you read that Bible, the more you're going to develop a knowledge of God's heart. Guys, you need to know, me too. We need to know not just words in scripture. We need to get to know God's heart. That happens as you study. Then you've got personal committed prayer. Not palsy-walsy prayer. You don't want to enter into, you get to a point where you don't want to enter into anything without personal prayer. I mean, you're so dependent. And like I just said, that flies in the face of our culture today. Another one is to see him in your experiences, to trace the hand of God. And then number one, to deny your flesh for the sake of his name. And Jesus and his father come to you like family. See, now now that we know that, now we can get into the family aspect of this message and look at what the Bible says about intimacy with each other, intimacy in marriage. That kind of intimate relationship works best when it flows out of an intimate relationship with God. Intimacy with each other works best when it flows out of an intimate relationship with God. I want to say this up front. The better you know God, the more personal you are with him, the more intimate you are with him, the more personal you're going to be with each other in a married relationship. I just want a few, I want to put a few thoughts in our minds that most people might not think of when they think about sex and intimacy. First of all, God created it. Sex and intimacy is God's idea. And there's something here that kind of baffles me that I think is really neat, though. In Genesis chapter 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now let's think about that. Because the Bible also tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that the Lord himself, the second person of the Trinity, the one we know as Jesus, the Son of God, would walk and talk with the man in the cool of the day. And I can see Adam looking forward to the cool of the day, the evening. And there comes the Lord, and they walk and they talk together. And there was an intimacy, and the Lord was his sufficiency. And it kind of baffles me. He had the Lord. And yet the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. That's the Lord knowing man's deepest need. Okay, and he met that need. I'm looking at Genesis 2, 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and had t- that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. That was the first marriage. And the man said, this is not bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united or cleave unto his wife, and they will become one flesh. And if you remember last week, this whole one flesh thing can become so beautiful, and it takes a lifetime of give and take in marriage. It just takes a whole lifetime. But there is another aspect of being one flesh, and that's the intimate or physical aspect. And so... God gives us this gift, of course, to populate the earth. But not just to bring people into the world. When he gives you kids, he gives a husband and a wife something from both of them to love in a very special way. And then raise those kids to love their God. And when they do that, that brings glory to God And that is the main reason for children. That's number one above all else. To have more people to know the Lord who will glorify him on this earth and in heaven when he comes again to stand in praises before him. That's the number one reason for children. It's all about the glory of God. 
Now, the other reason God gave us the sexual capacity is to solidify that marriage and give the husband and the wife something so special to delight in, in each other. And as, and as a believer, you're going to see this gift of intimacy or sex as a gift from God for man and woman to absolutely delight in. It's something so special. It is from God, and it's born out of an intimate relationship with God. And I'm looking at Proverbs 5.15, drink water from your own cistern. Don't be promiscuous. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets? Of course not. Your streams of water in the public squares? No. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain, that's your sexual capacity, may your fountain be blessed. Now listen to this. And may you rejoice, 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 or delight in, I could use that word, rejoice or delight in the wife of your youth. And see, that's your perspective on this whole sexual issue. You don't think like the world. I mean, you're thinking this is from God, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and it's a sacred right between a married man and a married woman committed to each other for the rest of their lives. It's that precious. I said our intimacy in marriage flows out of our intimacy with God. You know, I just want to give an example how your intimacy in marriage flows out of your intimacy with God. You, you know that the stuff that means anything, means the most in your life, comes to you through Jesus Christ. You know that, don't you? That the really valuable things, the worthwhile things in your life, come to you because you love the Lord. And you have Jesus Christ in your life, okay? So let's say I'm going to take an example. Let's say you get ready to go to work. And you go out in the garage, start your car, and the car doesn't start. And you can't go to work, so you call in. And you've got to give up a day's pay. Or, or, or take a sick day that you were looking forward to do, do something else on. And, and you give up that day. Or maybe you give up a half day if you can get the car started in time, okay? But you know what? It doesn't rattle you. Now think about this. It doesn't destroy you. It doesn't upset you so much that you can't make it through your day. I mean, you say it happened. God has control of my life. He knew this was going to happen. He allowed it into my life. He didn't stop it. He said okay to it. And you see, when you see that God has that kind of control of your life, see, excuse me, you can handle stuff with grace and dignity. Excuse me, so I want to ask you, what's that worth? That's born of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Or let's say this, you're not afraid to die. Because 1 Corinthians 15.55 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting is gone. You've got nothing to fear. The sting of death is gone. You've got nothing to fear. And on and on it goes. And all this good stuff, because you're in a living relationship with the living God, and you put the highest value on that, and you just want to give to him your obedience and rejoice his heart. You want to please God because you love him, and that builds into your intimate relationship. And folks, I want to tell you, you're not going to read this anywhere. You're not going to get this from the media. You may not even get this from Christian books, but your intimate relationship with one person is a reflection of your intimate relationship with God 
because you want to give God your everything, your very best. You want to rejoice the heart of God, and you want to give yourself to that person so completely. It is all about giving, and in giving you receive. If you're a believer, it's there. It's working in you. It's in every Christ follower. Listen, your unsaved family needs you. Your co-workers need you. Your unsaved friends need you. They need you in their lives, in their context, in the context of the world, because you have a higher view of intimacy and sex than they do. And they need to hear it from a Christian perspective. They need to hear the lies. Paul is speaking toward a lie that was so prevalent in the Roman world, and it's so prevalent in our world today. I look at the Bible and I say, this Bible has eternal meaning, because this is so prevalent today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul is quoting a proverb. This is what people quoted in that day in the Roman culture. Verse 13, food for the stomach... And the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both ultimately, okay? And then it goes on. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And all that saying is how people think today. Sex is nothing but a biological urge, like eating, that has to be satisfied. You get hungry, you go to the refridge. You get hungry, you go to Subway. You get hungry, you go out to dinner. There's a lot of ways to meet that need. The same thing, you get a sexual need or a sexual desire. It's just like eating. Somehow you got to fulfill it, you know, no matter what, no matter where. And that's how people in the Roman culture were thinking. And you, you as a Christian, that's why people need you in their life. You as a believer, you think differently and you say no. This is exclusive between me and my husband or my wife, that very special person that God brought into my life, because other people can know your husband or your wife. They can know them in so many ways. They work with them, they fellowship with them. But a husband or wife should be able to say, I am the only one who knows you in this particular way, and that intimacy should be holy ground. It should be holy ground. It should be sacred territory. This is exclusive. This is an absolutely exclusive relationship. God tells us that in Genesis 2.24. Cleave unto your wife. Let the husband cleave unto his wife. 1 Corinthians 7. Nine. Guys, I'm just going to par- paraphrase 1 Corinthians 7.9. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.9, if you don't have the gift to be single. Paul writes... And you have these natural desires. If you don't have the gift, he calls it the gift in 1 Corinthians 7, meaning the gift of being single. If you don't have the gift, and you have all these natural desires, then the only outlet, it doesn't get any clearer than this, the only, the only outlet is marriage. That's my paraphrase. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19, I read it before. Rejoice in whom? The wife and or husband of your youth. Let her satisfy you. So as a believer, what you're going to say is when sexual opportunities present themselves outside of marriage, as a believer, and see this is where it flows out of your intimate relationship with God, you're going to say this, I can't 
have this sexual relationship outside of marriage. Why? Because I love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, and he is my life, and this dishonors him, and this devalues the other person. You know, people are going to tell you love makes it all right. That, 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 that's out of hell, and it smells like smoke. You... um have any kind of a sexual relationship outside of marriage and you are devaluing that person. You are absolutely devaluing him. It's an object to be used by you outside the framework of marriage. And then you think what Jesus Christ did for us and how he shed his blood and gave his life to put the highest value on people. And then you think, what am I doing? I'm devaluing this person that God put such a high value on. And see, what you're going to do in those situations is you're going to ask these questions because you have an intimate relationship with the Lord that bleeds into how you live your everyday life. So intimacy is studying investigating someone, to know him. And we get to know God by digging into his word, by prayer from your heart, by casting all your care upon him, by seeing him in every experience. You say, this is God. And then by making choice, choices to obey him. And that demonstrates love and he becomes family to you. And that flows into your being and drives how you think. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.